Hey y'all, welcome back to the Core Perform Corner. Here's a sneak preview of our most recent Core Perform Practitioner Group meeting. This is a free journal club that meets weekly for coaches and providers to stay up to date in the latest research. If you're interested in joining us, I'll attach a link in the show notes. And if you're not a provider, don't worry, I'll be sure to share clips like this moving forward. As always, this content is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as professional medical advice. Without further ado, here's this week's journal club. Hello and welcome back to the Core Perform Corner. We have a special guest who I will let introduce himself uh, shortly, but I'm really excited for today's chat. We're going to be talking about masculinity in females, trauma responses that are associated with it, um, the science around it, stress, disease, connections. So I'm excited to dive in. Uh, Justin, why don't you give a little intro about who you are and what you do? Hello, everyone. Yes, I'm happy to be here with you. And what do I do? All right. So the Reader's Digest version of this is I, you know, I, I think you and I got along way back in the day because we were both in, well, in the nutrition world, you know, I was doing a master's in nutrition and um, saw your stuff and we kind of, I think, vibed on that level. And I kind of deviated from that after grad school because I was kind of just immersed into the whole trauma world. I think um, kind of by accident. Um, so even before that, I should I should mention that my mom has Hashimoto's and type one diabetes actually. So when I was in grad school doing the nutrition stuff, I had the intention of studying orthomolecular nutrition. I really wanted to work with terminally ill cancer patients, and I kind of changed uh, gears because of my mom's disease and her not getting, you know, the type of help that she deserved like a lot of people who have autoimmune disease know how difficult it is. So I kind of just made my mission to help her. And then when I finished school, I just focused on autoimmune disease. And then I stumbled into the, the whole category of women's health, I might say with um, a lot of what you do, Dasha and your team and PCOS and infertility and those sort of things. And so those that's been, that's been my main jam. And then the trauma stuff entered the picture because um, they kept showing up at my door with clients, just as you might see that with your clients and for personal reasons, actually, um, I think it's kind of been the most meaningful thing for me to work in this department because it's, um, it has a, a personal impact on me and, and now I'm doing my doctorate in health science with, uh, a focus on tr advanced trauma counseling. I never expected to do that, but it just felt like intuitively the right thing to do at this point. So I'm really, really passionate about uh, mental illness these days and integrating that into chronic disease like autoimmune disease. And here we are. Awesome. Well, let's start with just masculinity and femininity in general. Like what is, what are the two? And yeah, let's start with that. What does that even mean? <laughs> right. Um, well, I think, I think it's kind of obvious that we all have men and women both have masculine and female energies, right? The, the female is more loving and nurturing and caring and compassionate and protective, yeah, like, um, you know, is, as caring, taking for the child, all those sort of things, we you know, evolutionarily speaking and the masculine side of things is protective and going to battle and war and being protective and off, off and offering security for the family and all those things. So that the male is the giver, the female is the receiver, that sort of dynamic. And that's kind of a no brainer. I think we all know that. 
but it's interesting when you think about how things have changed and how you see people work together and relationship, whether it's romantically or not. But I think mostly um, it's obvious in the romantic setting in how um, there's a lot of this sort of independence uh, that you see people talk about. And, you know, I don't need no man and this sort of thing. You hear some some women and stuff and, you know, whatever that is. But it's it's interesting, I, I say, because we we have these sort of protective mechanisms, I think, in these um, in the way we speak. And we're trying to guard something that's painful. And it's it's so deep and there's so many underlying layers that, that we that we could explore with with somebody. But I think in a nutshell, it's understanding that we need balance in masculine and feminine energy so if you are and i'm sure we all know people who are um we'll say i'm gonna say i'm gonna talk about females because that's my specialty and you know i don't have much experience with men so much but there there are women who are completely you know one-sided in the feminine department and they're just completely looking, they're always looking for attention and acknowledgement or looking to be cared for and the male to do all the things and meet, to meet their needs. Right. That's, that's disproportional. Right. And on the other side, there are women and I know friends of mine and it can work for them too, by the way, and it can work either way, women who are in their masculine and they're just, and you see this in people who are, are, uh, entrepreneurs and they're just a badass in the gym, maybe, or they're just, um, independent and they like to do everything for themselves and are kind of maybe guarded, maybe isolated, maybe just don't want to do anything. They're, they, they're high achievers over, um, high performers, this sort of thing. Doesn't mean it's just that I'm just kind of giving you what I, the, the, um, the details of what I've seen and what can happen is we can get stuck in either of those two uh, sides. And to say if that's, um, a troublesome, or an issue in life, it's, I don't know, it's, it's completely about the context, but I think there's something to be said about that because there, it's happening for a reason a lot of times. And I think society and the way we're kind of being taught this stuff um, is, 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 is shifting influencing how this is coming up because we were never always like this. It was always pretty balanced, I think. And all of a sudden things have changed where we're kind of dominant in one side or the other. And that can really have an impact um, on your any any sort of interpersonal relationship. I think for me, my bias, you might say, and my experience, I think there's evidence to support it, is that the the underlying developmental trauma issues and things we've experienced kind of shape this later on in, in adult life. If that makes sense. Yeah, I completely agree. I think what's most interesting about masculinity in females specifically is that there's such a delicate balance between the two. And I feel like certain hobbies obviously will elicit it more out of females, such as weight training, strength training, et cetera, or any sort of athlete. I think fem female athlete in general um, brings out this. But it's interesting because some of us just do it for the sport, right? We like the sport, et cetera. But it might create an atmosphere that elicits more of that masculinity and I wonder do you know if there's a specific is there a question to ask where you can say like 
no, your masculinity sounds like it's more related to a trauma response where you're independent, you're focusing on you, you're doing you, you're the best kind of um, optimizing you versus, Mm -hmm. and that being a trauma response versus someone who's just been an athlete their whole life, been really active their whole life in, in, in involved in sports. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the thing is there, anyone could be an athlete and be a competitor and a bodybuilder and do those sort of things. And that could be just a sport you're really passionate about. And, um, that's a whole other topic. I think we, you and I have spoken about this before and I could get really into that, but I think there is an explanation for this stuff. That's very subconscious. A lot of times why we're maybe addicted in a way. And I say that not because it's a illness necessarily, but we all have compulsion, um, compulsive behaviors and addictions. And sometimes you can get a little too extreme. Right. And it's, it's curious, like, why do we do these things? What are we looking for? And can we give it up? And if we can't give it up, why, what's that about? And I think those are the types of questions we want to ask. I, I like to think of this sort of like, Socratic questioning, uh, something they they do in CBT and things that I kind of do with clients. And so I don't, um, I'm never the type of person to be like, you're doing this because of X, Y, Z. And uh, it's like, I'm like, Hey, it seems to me, I'm not sure what you think, but my thoughts are that you're, you might be doing this because of this and what happened in childhood. Like you, um, are addicted to you're you're stuck in this masculine i see this masculine heavily heavily emphasized masculine energy and maybe it's because you had a father who was like that and they treated you like this right maybe it's because you were in this sort of difficult unstable environment and the only way to protect yourself from my point of view as i see it is you had to put on this mask this pretense in order for you to be safe in the world going forward no judgment just that makes complete sense you know? And so I, I, that's kind of how I go about it. And a lot of times, at least with clients that I'm working with, they have some awareness of this, or they've done some investigative process with me or on their own, uh, usually collaboratively. And we have some insight to this and, and that there's a reason for why this part we say the subpersonality is kind of coming forward and running the show of life, you might say. Now, and it's, there's nothing wrong with that. We all have this. It's just about, um, I think we all have something, some degree of this. Now, if it gets completely unbalanced, that's a different story. And it just becomes, well, how is that really disrupting your life? And if it's not, then knock yourself out, do keep doing you, right? <laughs> I don't, it doesn't really matter. It's really about what are the consequences, if any. So this reminds me of this book that I believe it's called when the body says no or something like that it's about how stress and disease are interconnected through characteristics so yeah um, like more more Matt Tay's work yeah yeah are you familiar with that yeah so he kind of talks about how your your personality dictates the disease that you're more likely to get and based off of how you typically respond to uh threats or, or things like that um, and it's it's quite interesting in that sense to to discuss, but moving backwards a little bit, one of the things that I think might be why it it's this trauma response, but then it becomes a problem is it be is because it disconnects the mind and the body for the female. 
And once you're disconnected from your body as a female, you kind of lose touch with yourself and you, you kind of don't understand who you are and you don't feel comfortable with who you are anymore Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. that body. And as a result, if you have a disease, it's not like your mind and body just aren't connecting at that point. Like there's some struggle. Um, do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely in alignment with Gabor's message there. And I think that, um, has shaped a lot of what I do. I mean, how I perceive this illness stuff. I, it wasn't actually his work that influenced it. I learned this from my therapists and teachers, but, um, I think indirectly from watching his material, I, I, I started to integrate that and it just became obvious. Actually, I just started looking through that lens and I saw, oh yeah, this personality, this being a people pleaser and, and an overachiever and a caretaker and um, um, seeking control and being busy all the time and looking for achievement and, and all those sort of things. doesn't mean you're going to get an illness with that, but it says a lot about somebody and what created that, where does it stem from? Some adversity, some stress, whether it's conscious or not, a lot of it is unconscious. We just go through life and um, that's what happens. And it takes years for that to develop sometimes. Now, to your point, I actually mentioned this today, I think on, on Facebook, I I had said that um, my understanding, at least from my point of view, is that a lot of us, especially I'm going to speak towards the autoimmune disease population because that's mostly what I work with, that, but I think it can, it can, it can be extrapolated to other demographics that <clears throat> when you don't live when you live inauthentically, you know, you're not living your authentic, true nature, your true, your true self in Buddhism, they, in Buddhism, they call it your Buddha nature, right? Same sort of thing, just um, synonymous with that. And when you're not doing that, because you have these masses protectors, like we're talking about here, that's where there's an opportunity for a disease to present itself. And because it's honestly at the, end, at, the at the core of it all, it's just a stress. You, you may not see it. This is what I say all the time. You may not see it as a stressor because you're so used to feeling this way. You can be addicted to, you can be addicted to your own stress hormones. We've seen this like endorphins, like people who dissociate, they do that because they find relief in the endorphins that come afterwards. So you might be stuck in an abusive relationship with a narcissist or someone who's actually abusing you. And you might, anyone will tell you to get out of it. You might know it's not a safe place, but you're still addicted to that because it allows you to feel this sort of relief that you would never get otherwise, right? It's kind of wild, but that's what happens. So we dissociate, we get this endorphin rush, and then that's our escape. So um, it, it's honestly not much different than than cutting or self self injury. Actually, there's there's a reason for why it happens. So this is this is pretty profound, and I think that if we can sort, and it doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just saying that it's an, it's an interesting idea that if we're not living our true self and not to say that we're doing that all the time, but if we are really disconnected from ourselves because it's easier to put on a mask and be this character in a movie all the time. Or rather identifying with, I am my career. I am yeah. like this sport. I am whatever. Like I eat, breathe, live this versus I eat, live, live, breathe me it's so important to, I think that's like the first step. And what I hope everyone gets out of this is that it's true. I truly believe healing and healing any disease comes from like this awareness. And it's so interesting to see how spirituality and all these things are starting to come into play in this decade and century and everything. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's the first step is like sitting down and I have exercises I do with my clients around this too. I'm sure you do as well, where I tell them like list all your strengths, list all your weaknesses. And then I want you to tell me all your positive care, like all the characteristics that mean the most to you choose 10 core values and then narrow it down to three. So maybe that's happiness, family, friends, wisdom, knowledge, um, whatever it is, write it down. Those are your core values. And then ask yourself, what are you doing every single day of your life to live up to your core values, right? If you Mm -hmm. said family, are you talking to your family? Are you encompassing a family? Are you taking care of a family? Are you working towards the family? If it's happiness, what are you doing to gain that happiness? And is that a healthy mechanism of of gaining gaining happiness, Mm -hmm. not something like coffee, caffeine, or exercise addiction, or anything like that? And then- so on and so forth until you create that set of identity values of like what actually means the most to me aside from my career my like everything else that's going on in my life yeah totally I mean that's a good point actually that you can have these you can have these identities or these um these roles these personas like I do but I like we all do, but you don't need to attach to it. That's that's the practice of not attaching to, and it's the ego that wants that, right? It's actually an ongoing thing for, for me and something I'm working on. And it's interesting because just thinking about this now, I can't remember the last time I even said, oh, I'm doing my doctorate in the X, Y, Z. Like, I actually don't care. You know, that's how disconnected I am from it. It's actually, you know, it's just a thing I'm doing, but it's not who I am. When, I'm, when I have that degree, I ask, I'm still just Justin. And even that, I'm not even really Justin. You know, it's like, I don't even attach to these labels. And so that's that's the practice. And I think when we talk about spirituality and awakening that people do, um, that's a whole other discussion. But I think it's really interesting how people do this stuff. They do ayahuasca, they do breath work, whatever. And they think they're a new, pers- new person and they're awakened, but they're still re- reenacting the, the parts of themselves. They're still the same person. You know, what changed, Right. You know, if you're still attached to ego, you're not really awakened, are you? Right. Um, it, I think we completely get that wrong, actually. But anyway, so I think there's nothing wrong with doing having these these responsibilities and roles we do in life. We have to do that, right? It's just not getting wrapped up in it as if when you're like you that's your identity, that's who you are. And if you don't have that, you're nothing. Like you're still your true authentic self. I describe it as the clients like it's like the sun in the sky, right? You are that son. You are that wise, true nature, that self that has all the the amazing qualities. And you, you didn't have to do anything to create it. It's just who you are. It was there since the day one. It might be obscured by clouds. Like today is overcast, right? And that's the parts of us. Those are the things we do to protect our ego, um, our ego parts that protect our our heart. And we, we try to guard that. But, um, and that's what trauma does, right? It makes sense. But if we if we look closely enough, we can see that the sun is still there regardless of what clouds it, and it's always per, it's always impermanent. It's never that way all the time anyway. So that's a real powerful thing that um, using that analogy at least to bring that awareness to clients and anyone who has kind of lost sight of that because we're so disconnected from ourselves and in ways that we don't even realize. And um, yeah, I think that's the point. <laughs> Yeah. But so we talk about all this like spirituality and, and to be completely honest, I'm in the middle about it because I'm like, okay, but I'm so evidence-based and what's the science behind it. And I don't 
think we know enough, right? I mean, we have the whole world in front of us. So there's so much unknown that we don't know. I think that research moving forward is going to start looking a lot deeper and diving into that. Right now, all we have are those associations, which um, he does in that book that I had mentioned, um, where he's showing that these personality traits are associated with certain diseases. And that is evidence-based because they did studies on it and they collected data on that. Um, but in terms of like why this happens, why this trauma response happens, and we have some pinpoints too. I mean, there's studies again about nocebo versus placebo. Um, when you truly believe you're getting healthy, you will get healthy. When you truly mm-hmm. believe something is working, it is working. No matter what, placebo is placebo and nocebo mm-hmm. is a fake positive based off of your result. So the fact yeah. that that even exists in the scientific community, that term of nocebo, it's accepted. We know that this is something like an unbiased, a biased thing that we subconsciously do. But now if we translate that nocebo effect to other aspects of our lives, it's interesting how that gets starts to get built out. Um, so if you are, let's say you are in this space and you feel like, I am so uncomfortable with my body. I'm so disconnected with my body. I feel these masculine traits where I am super aggressive, reactive. Maybe I am like putting on this personality or persona. Um, What can I do? What do I do? (laughs) This is the hardest thing because there's not a thing you do. And this is the paradox with this. Um, I feel like I have a hard time explaining this sometimes because... um, it really, it boils down to the whole angle and approach of, of unburdening from trauma anyway, in the first place is that there's nothing to really tangibly, like there's no checklist, there's no like instruction manual on what to do. Um, and, and for me, at least there's nothing that is revolving around, Hey, do this. Don't do that. It's more about inquiry, self-inquiry and learning about awareness is the first step, right? You have to understand your biography and your timeline and kind of get clear on what happened. And and that a lot of times is very insightful because people are like, wow, I forgot that happened. And my mom abandoned me when I was eight and this happened. And I didn't realize I was still living with that. Um, And sometimes we don't even see it. You know, it just takes some time for things to unravel that they don't even see it. I don't always see it. But eventually you can start to uh, notice things. And then it's more about curiosity. And I think you, you can, you really can't do this alone. Right. And this is the whole point of this. Uh, I wouldn't be able to either, but if you're stuck in these, these traits and you know that it's dismantling your life, it's ruining this, it's stressing. And that's really what it is. It boils down to, it's just a big psychological stressor that takes a toll on the body over year, over the years. How do you get out of it? It's more about how to negotiate with it you're not really getting rid of it. Um, It's the same thing with an eating disorder and someone who binge eats or has anorexia. And I've done it the same way. It's just about, Hey, you know, we don't need this. This part may not need to be the, uh, have, have a dominant role in your life. It might still be there every once in a blue moon. It's never going to go away. These, these parts never do go away. It's more about integration. It's more about understanding and learning how to negotiate with them so that they can take a step back. They can learn to do something different or allow other parts that are um, as important to enter the picture and have, have a say, because you think of them like, like kids, little kids, and you have a fit and you're a parent and you have these different parts of yourself, these protector parts. And 
you're always kind of biased towards one kid and you have four other kids who are getting your attention. It's unfair, right? So think you think of it like that. Like, okay, you're, you're a people pleaser. You're doing it all the time. Well, you got these other parts here that also want to want to get involved in this life of yours and they can't because you're kind of, this guy is taking over everything. So that's, that's just one, one simple model. It's one example of how I might do this. And there's not, it's not the only thing, but that, that is really about looking at it from all, looking at all of this from a new pair of eyes and having a be, beginner's mindset, you might say, and being curious about this and how we can work it out so that it's more fair because all these, believe it or not, at the end of the day, everybody wants the same goal for the individual. It's, there's just disagreement on how to do it. So it's all, it's ultimately about how do we balance things out so that every, everyone has a say and everyone is able to have, every, every part is able to be um, seen and heard. So it's not a simple answer, unfortunately, but it's not about like, hey, stop doing that. It's more about let's explore that and see if there's an opportunity to maybe shifting slowly, but there's a lot of resistance over this because they never want to give up that role, whether it's uh, exercise or people pleasing or being busy or being type A or being a perfectionist. It's not, or even an eating disorder, binge eating. It's not that easy to give it up. So it's a very, it's like slowly turning of a cruise ship, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. So. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. And I think that, that it's, it's the hardest part because you have to stay on this track for, for the longest period of time and continue to move towards that, that shift that feels so uncomfortable for you, which is why I think hiring someone is going to be your best bet because keeping accountability for that um, and become truly becoming the person that you want to be versus the trauma that you're hiding from. You know, and I'll say this at the end of the day, some people just um, get tired of their own shit. There's no other way around it. There's no Mm -hmm. other way to say it. I would say, uh, I should say, and that people just get tired of it and they're, they're exhausted. It's, it's a lot of energy. It's actually more energetically costly to put up this pretense to wear this mask, to be this person all the time than it is to just be you, your authentic self. And people mm-hmm. don't see that. So when you talk about fatigue and how people are tired all the time, your mitochondria, like, yeah, it's true. But guess what? You're also fatigued because you've been acting this role your whole life. And it's hard to maintain that all the time. It really is. And some people just get to that threshold and they can't do it anymore. And they surrender. And something I did, something anyone did, they just sometimes that can happen. Not always, but it's just something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for those of you who don't know, we do this in a journal club and a practitioner group. So you guys are free to, it's free to join for coaches and practitioners. So uh, Jasmine's saying you are the sun still there, even on overcast days. That's powerful to remember. And I completely agree. And I think that's a great way to segment into our private Q&A. So again, if you guys want to join into the Q&A, you can join the Facebook group. It's absolutely free for practitioners and RDs or RD2Bs um, or online coaches who do this for a living. Um, but other than that, is there any final words, Justin, you have on the topic before we go into the Q and a with them? Yeah, I think I might say one thing and that's just that despite all the hardship and the adversity we all have and the struggles we have, and many of your listeners might have that, you know, I, I just tell this to people and even clients, like you're fine. You're perfectly okay. Where you, where you are. Right. And there's no need, there's no rush. 
there's no there's no timetable there's no timeline to get out of this and to be this person or do that you will become your evolved next level self at some point but you're perfectly fine to be aware where you are right it's okay to not, not be okay you can accept and it's it's actually a practice it doesn't mean you're surrendering giving up uh the process or of trying to change it means you can surrender to the moment of what you have right here and it's all fine right there's, there's no need to to make make this change the process of change as i say is is not in becoming what you're not it's being where you are that's the paradox of this and that's mm -hmm. a real hard thing for people to understand sometimes but once you get it it's like okay i don't have to strive and effort my way out of this it's okay i'm, I'm fine where i am i'm still moving there but you're like the tortoise not the hare in the race mm -hmm. yeah so awesome having you We'll dive into the Q&A here to talk about more specific protocols cool. with their patients.